0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to another edition of the Future Award-winning Talk Buffalo Podcast Part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Pam Moran Tweets. Thank you very much for locking in today. Got a first-time guest coming up on the pod in just a minute. And I'll tell you what, it's very rare at this point of the show where I have someone that's focused on, like, Buffalo sports that hasn't already been on before. But that's certainly going to be the case today. Finally going to talk to my man. Jay Spence, the king from Buffalo Rumlings. Jay Spence is host of the Code of Conduct podcast Tuesdays on Buffalo Rumlings and also co host of the Hump Day Hotline with Joe Miller. They do that live on YouTube on Wednesday night. Gonna get to know a lot more about Jay today, man. Talk some podcasting. Of course, we're gonna talk plenty of Buffalo Bills. Lots of stuff with my man Jay Spence. I'll have that for you in just a quick minute. So, got. Three episodes of Talking Buffalo podcast this week. And you know what? I, I think that's pretty much how it's going to be now going forward. So Tuesday shows, I'm going to have interviews with random guests. Like I said, today, Jay Spence. Tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, you'll hear another edition of Finer Wings Club. That's where I, I tape a show from a wing joint. And I have a guest or guests with me. Variety of guests. So that'll be on Wednesdays. Then, of course, Friday, casual Friday, With my man, Joe Yurden, which by the way, I I said this on the podcast last Friday, Casual Fridays is now being sponsored by Casey's Black Rock Tavern. So many of those episodes, many episodes of Casual Friday uh, will be taped there as well. Also, by the way, not this podcast, but Friday night, I'm going to be at O'Neill's. Of course, O'Neill's is right across the street from Highmark Stadium And I'm going to be joining Joe Miller as a guest on a taping of uh, the Rock Pile Report with Drew and with Chris. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll be up there doing that. I think they said around 7 p.m. or so. So if you're out that way, man, pop up and uh, check that out. Say hello to us. Uh, A couple quick things here, man. Actually, one piece of podcasting news. uh, Everybody who listens to this show, you know how I feel about Bruce Nolan. I've said it time and time again. And I've been saying it for quite a while now. I think he is the best. Bill's podcasts are out there, and you guys also know Nate Gary from WGR very well. He's been on this show many times. Matter of fact, I've done three episodes of Finer Wings Club on Wednesdays, and Nate's been my guest on two of those. Anyway, those guys are teaming up for podcasts, and I couldn't be more excited about it. It's called Food for Thought. It's going to be dropping, well, they're taping it live on YouTube, I believe, 9 o'clock on Friday night, starting actually this week. And then it'll be available in podcasting form um, on Saturday mornings. And so I reached out to Bruce and I just wanted to get a, I asked him to give me a little bit of a premise of what the show was going to be about because I wanted to mention on the show. Again, I'm a big fan of Bruce. I'm a big fan of Nate. So throw those two together and that excites me. But anyway, this is what Bruce told me when I asked him what this podcast specifically was going to be about. And this is Bruce. He says, the kind of pod you want to consume after a long week at work is the kind of pod Nate and I want to deliver. Kick off your shoes, change into your sweatpants, crack open a cold one and get a variety of football and bills related topics with guest commentary, rapid fire humor, fan engagement, and energy. Food for thought is a four course meal with all the trappings that will help you cap off a long week and prepare for the weekend. (laughs) I'm sold. I'm sold. Love the concept. Again, love both those guys. Don't know, to be honest with you, if I'll be spending a lot of Friday nights up at nine o'clock watching it live, but you can bet your ass I'll be getting up on Saturday, getting my weekend going by listening to that pod, just like you said. So very excited about that. And uh, oh yeah, one more thing real quick too. I I, got to do this and then I'll get into my chat today with Jay Spitz. I want to congratulate my nephew, Jordan Williams. Now, if you're into the high school sports team in Buffalo, or I should say if you have been for a while anyway, you may remember that name, Jordan Williams. He was a first-team All-Western-New York football player and also All-Western-New York basketball player at Bishop Tymon a handful of years ago. Anyway, man, he's played arena football now, and he's been doing that for a couple of years. And honestly, for the first couple of years, he was kind of toiling around in the league. He was with Albany, was with Philly, just kind of trying to, to find his way and waiting for an opportunity to really shine. Well, I'll tell you what, man, my man got it this year. He's in Jacksonville. He plays for the Jacksonville Sharks and he just tore it up this season, tore it up. This weekend, he played his last game uh, of the season in Albany against the Empire over the weekend. And I'll tell you what, man, he was just completely dominant. Eight catches, 98 yards, four touchdowns, a two-point run, ended up finishing the season like top five or top six in the entire league for almost every uh, statistical wide receiver category out there, so. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm proud to see him do that. And it's great. I'll tell you what, forget about the fact that he's my nephew. It's always great when somebody from Buffalo who comes up through the Buffalo school system in high school and goes to school here in Western New York, when they go on to do good things, no matter what sport it is or where it's at. But anyway, man, just a uh, really good stuff. So very, very proud of you, Jordan. All right. So on that note, man, let's just, uh, let's get into today's episode. This is a chat. I've been looking forward to having this one for quite a while. Like I said, first time ever on this podcast. Here he is, my man, Jay Spence the King. All right, I am joined right now by Jay Spence the King, host of the Code of Conduct podcast, Tuesdays on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Also the co-host with, along with Joe Miller, my guy, Hump Day Hotline, live on Wednesday nights. Dude, 300 and... 52 episodes I've had of talking Buffalo podcast, and this is the first time that I've had my man Jay Spence. I've been able to hook up with him. What's going on, buddy? How you doing?
2: Yeah, man. I was actually, when we were talking earlier, I'm like, wait, I haven't been on your show. Like It it felt like I was a part of your show already. So yeah, but life is good, man. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm going to enjoy this. You're one of my favorite, and I think I've said that, but I know a lot of times people think that I just kind of say things in like a political, like, oh, he's playing the game. No, I have like five guys that I really listen to and you are absolutely one of them.
1: Man, I really do. I, I appreciate that. And I know you're being sincere, man. And I've enjoyed listening to you. But no, man, we've, uh, you know, we followed each other on, on social media and stuff like that. And you were kind enough a couple months ago to have me on your podcast, which was a ton of fun, which I also remember, by the way. So for everyone out there, Jay does video, which I don't. I mean, right now we're on Zencaster but we're just, that's so we can see each other and kind of feed off each other a little bit. But anyway, so Jay did uh, what's that? From, oh, why is it? I'm drawing a blank. The, the what you use to record. StreamYard. Yeah, StreamYard. So we did video and it was supposed to be audio, but then I ended up having some kind of take that he really liked. And next thing I know, my ugly ass is on, a, <laughs> is on one of his video clips. <laughs> that's That's what stands out.
2: i'm sorry man when it's good like that it's like okay i I promise the whole show is gonna be audio but i gotta i gotta put this clip out man
1: well i only listen i only say that jokingly and mostly jokingly because i don't as of this time at least anyway i don't have like a real camera like you look good on your video you know what i mean like your setup is nice whereas i have the cheap ass uh laptop (laughs) cam and uh yeah, that's it. Like literally that's all I have and, and like terrible lighting. Like I have no lighting. Well, at least when I was on with you. And right now it's even worse because like we were just talking about, I'm yeah. in my mother's attic pretty much with paneling from 70 years ago that's still, you know, covering every square inch of this, uh the walls and uh and the ceiling. But anyway, that kind of believe it or not, and I'm not lying to you, this is the truth, Jay. That kind of inspired me a little bit because I said, you know, I really want to get some video elements going, but I have to get back to Buffalo first. So once I get into my new place in September, I am going to invest in actually having a decent little camera. Not even so much the camera, but definitely the lighting. Cause you know that, that makes the yep. biggest difference, but it was kind of because of that. I'm like, you know, I do like doing video. I just want to look at what I'm doing it, man.
2: Well, you I look mean, good. you got you got the looking good part, down pat, and thank you for the compliment. <laughs> you just, but you got the looking good part. Now we just got to get you going. But man, I'm excited for that for you to add a different layer to to you know the Pat Moran aura because because you're <laughs> a big deal. Like honestly, this is a big deal for me to be on the show. Nah, you. come on, man, stop it, stop it, stop it. I
1: will tell you what, so we're gonna talk Buffalo Bills. Obviously, but before that, like I said, we follow each other on social media. I did your podcast once, but. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I really don't know you on a personal level. I know a lot of your uh, your opinions and your takes from listening to your podcast and, of course, following you on Twitter, but I don't really know much about you personally other than you don't live in Buffalo right now, which is something that I just spent the last five years living in Florida. Now, like I said, you don't live in Buffalo now, but you were born and raised in Western New York, right?
2: Yep, absolutely. I was born in Buffalo, uh, went to high school at um, city honors. I went to Canisius college. So I'm, I'm very much part of the Western New York community. Um, very smart. Kinda, too. Kinda, I try to be, I try to be, I was, <laughs> I was blessed to have a mother who, who wouldn't accept anything different, you know? So, um, like I said, I, I have a, a really good family. My sister is currently, she's a judge, um, Buffalo city court judge Pridgen is, is my blood sister. Oh, wow. And, you know, so I, I have a pretty, pretty strong family support system in my family and they kind of push me to be great so um outside of the pod i do a lot more the pod Mm -hmm. is just kind of it's my outlet to just just to have some fun sometimes work gets pretty heavy i'm a i'm a bank manager when i was in buffalo i worked for mt bank you know so out here i'm I'm pretty much i work for bmo harris bank and it's a it's a great time i I enjoy everything i do literally morning to night i'm enjoying my days
1: what brought you out
2: west you know what, to be honest, I just wanted to try something different. Like I was, so if I'm going to be completely honest, so the last year I was there, there was a snowstorm and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I've been in Buffalo my whole life. So snowstorms, it's like, whatever this one particular snowstorm, man, I, my job, um, when I was at the bank, I was actually working, um, in Derby, no Dunkirk, I was in Dunkirk. And Mm -hmm. so I had to drive from the East side of Buffalo to Dunkirk. And That's a haul, man. Storm, it, it's definitely a haul. And the snowstorm got me. And, and then, like, to the shovel out and then the drive, then to the come back. Then I had to shovel my driveway just to get my car back in. I was just like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm completely <laughs> – it's over. So, you know, coming to Phoenix, it's been awesome for me. The weather has been great. My uh, – you know, I had, you know, joint issues and everything. So the dry heat just it, – it's, it's perfect.
1: I'll tell you, man, props to you for admitting a lot of people who leave Buffalo, they always – They won't admit that the weather has a large part in it, but it does. It can. It affected me. That was five years ago when I moved to Florida. I mean, look, that wasn't the primary reason, but part of it was the wife got a a job transfer slash promotion, whatever. Another part was my son would get an opportunity. I wanted to really see how he could stack up playing football in Florida. I've made, you know, I've talked about that many times on the show. I'm not going to lie. The weather was a big part of it. I hate the winters. I'm so excited to be back in Buffalo right now, Jay, but come winter. Come hit me forward. up again, because I, I might not have that same enthusiasm <laughs> that that I do right now. But all right. So you're out there, you, you know, you, you're doing well professionally. Like I said, this is you have an actual job, a real job, a, a career. And but you said you do podcasting in part, at least now it's a lot of work. I know that you know that, but it's also fun. And like that was what I wanted to ask you the next. Like, when did you when did you first start podcasting and like what inspired you to to want to start doing some podcasting, like kind of talk about that process a little bit that got you from going, maybe thinking about doing something to actually doing something.
2: Yeah. Well, so a couple of years ago, I actually, I, I, I was very interested in doing a podcast because Greg Thompson and Eric Turner from cover one, I, I just, they, they were really good as far as engagement on Twitter. And also, like I said, their shows were very in depth. So sure. they they kind of accepted me into the, Online Bill's Mafia community in, at first. So that kind of sparked my interest, but I still just wasn't, I, I really wasn't confident in, in my abilities. I didn't think that people would listen to me. And Joe Miller, um, he's actually, so at the church that I was going to in Buffalo, he's actually one of the pastors there over uh, like the administration and, and such. So we met there and he actually had already had a podcast. He had the Overreaction Show. And, you know, I would tell him, like, man, I really want to do it, but. I don't know anything. Nobody's going to listen to me. And we would go back and forth. And it was it was the dead time of year. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you just come on and just like just for fun? Let's just try it. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's try it. So we did our um our roster project- projections and the just we did a two part episode there. And the the engagement or the the response from that show, it was like, OK, maybe this is something I might be able to do. And and Pierre from Buffalo Fanatics, um, shout out to Pierre, Rico, Bobby, and everybody over there. Those guys reached out and, you know, it, it just, just jumped from there. So I actually i have only been doing podcasting. I started last year at the end of May or really early June is when my show first dropped. So the Code of Conduct is about a year and two months old. And man, it's been a ride and I'm enjoying it. Like it's 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 actually becoming more of my life than my job itself. So I'm spending way more time. Um, doing content, preparing for content, you know, reaching out to people for interviews and and networking, even just to go further. You know, I feel a lot of things are are kind of lining up to where in the very near future, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I feel like in the very near future, I'll be able to be full time at this and, and just kind of step away completely from work. So, you know, it's been a blessing just to see how everything has developed, but man, this is, this is great. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this ride.
1: I never knew that you knew Joe Miller, like before you got actually in the podcast. And so you met through church. I was actually, I was in that church once you're talking about, well, I don't know if it's the same one, but it was in West Seneca. I met Joe at yep. his church once. Um, it was during COVID in the winter. It was last Christmas actually. And, uh, yeah, I met him. There was nobody there. Obviously it was just him and I, and we did a podcast there. and We sat in this big ass, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the rec rooms that he had there. And we, uh, we taped the show. Joe's a really good dude, man.
2: Yeah, no, J- he's um honestly, he's he's second to none in my book. So like when we are on the show and when we're you know on Twitter laughing with each other, he's really like I consider him family. He's a friend and family, and and that's my guy. He um so it, it, that's even a story. So he was actually on tw- we met on Twitter, and you know I'd been I moved back to Buffalo. I lived in Indianapolis actually for about five years, and I went mm. out there, and then I I moved back to Buffalo and. You know, I I didn't want to jump back into the church that I was at prior to leaving, but I kind of wanted to be at somebody's church. And uh, he he tweeted out for Easter, like, hey, if you're thinking about church and you want to go to church, come and join us at Life Church. So I went out there. And then from there, lit, just honestly, never uh, we never looked back. We, we met in person. And that was, that was the story that was written.
1: See, I'm learning new stuff about you right now. I never knew that you lived in Indianapolis. And when I have somebody on the show, especially the first time, I, I like to spend a little bit of time getting to know you guys and your girls, but uh, what brought you to Indy? And also, so I know so many people in Buffalo and you were born and raised here, right here in Western New York. I feel like everybody at some point in their life should go live somewhere else. If for no other reason than to just experience different lifestyles or different cultures, because even within the United States, there's different parts of the country and they're just, things are just different. Not saying they're better, I'm not saying they're worse, but it's not the same, and you know that obviously now because you you've experienced that, man. You live out west, you've lived in Indy. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that anything is better than Buffalo, man. I love Buffalo. I know you love Buffalo too, but it's like it is different. Don't you think that's kind of important to be able to kind of experience life and in culture just in in different parts of the country, like you have?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that was the reason why I actually moved to Indianapolis. It was a hundred percent just out of I wanted to gain experiences that. I couldn't get in Buffalo. So, you know, growing up in Buffalo, I I was very well connected as far as, you know, I grew up in the church. So I had a lot of, you know, the church is actually, even though they say it's a separation of state and church, you know, it's very, very connected to political, you know, conversations and um, financial conversations and all that stuff. So I was able to meet a ton of people and be connected in Buffalo very well. But at the same time, I wanted to kind of just get away, learn who I was as a person for myself, you know learn different cultures you you meet different people and and you get the opportunity to find yourself differently you know you grow up in a yeah. place and and it's like yeah I love wings and yeah I love this but You know, do you know if you love something else like you don't know it if you don't try it? So, you know, going to Indianapolis was actually I always refer to it as my college years, because when I went to college, I didn't really get a chance to to do all the college stuff because I was so I'm I'm one of those guys that when I get into something, I'm just like super dedicated and I'm super on point and I have to be. You know, I compete with myself. I don't compete with others. I I have to beat myself every time. So college wasn't actually like much of a fun experience. So going to Indianapolis, like I said, I I wanted to to meet some people. I wanted to you know, they had a basketball team. They had, you know, a good team back then as far as football. It wasn't the Bills. I was still in love with the Bills. But, you know, to be able to be around a city that had a quarterback and Andrew Luck. And it was just it was just a different experience. And I, I met some people who I consider you know, family now, you know, I I still keep in touch with a lot of those people. And I initially moved because my uncle was there. You know, I want, like I said, I wanted to try something new. I had family there. So it was just like, you know, let me go somewhere where I still have someone, but it's not Buffalo. And, you know, I'm so happy I did.
1: Man, I tell you, that's a great point. And I think you hit the nail right on the head for me personally, too, because I'm glad that I'm in Buffalo now. I'm glad to be back home. But I'm also happy as hell that I spent five years in Florida too. Because I learned a lot about, like you said, about you you learn some things about yourself and just experience different things. Man, I learned so much about myself for five years in Florida. And when it comes to Buffalo, I think I've grown a, a better appreciation for Buffalo because I spent so much time away. And I'm not talking about the pizza and the wings. And I know I do all the wing reviews and yada, yada, yada. That's for fun. I'm just talking about the people and just the things that there is to do if you want to do stuff. And it just, I, I think when you live somewhere your whole life, you kind of take a lot of shit for granted. I know I did, you know, and it kind of took me leaving for a long time to really appreciate it. Don't, don't get me wrong, man. I love Florida too. <laughs> like I could live there. I could be a snowbird. Like I'd love to live in Florida for six months and then come back in Buffalo in the summer. Cause I, again, I don't like being cold, but uh, yeah, it's fun. Now, listen, you were talking about podcasting too. So It's hard work, you know that, I know it, but it also can be fun. But the commitment that comes with it, I'm sure you know this, it's pretty heavy. Like I personally, I don't know, tell me what like your process is. I kind of liken it to, so I used to go out a lot more and I don't really go out as much now. Like, you know, my my wife has a couple nights a week where she'll play uh, volleyball or softball and then they go out after, you know, and I used to do that a lot. I don't really do that so much anymore. I kind of consider doing a podcast like my night out with the boys in a way, so to speak. I mean, I actually still do go out sometimes, but for the most part, that's kind of the commitment that it takes to, to really, you know, put together a quality show and do your research and do your homework and, you know, post, uh, you know, do editing, whatever it takes to put out a good show. It's very time consuming. Like what's that process for you? Do you kind of have that kind of same mindset in a way that you got to sacrifice some stuff of your personal time and your personal life to have a good show like you do?
2: Well, first, thank you for the compliment. But but for me, it's actually, I don't feel like it's much of a sacrifice for the reason. So I started in the COVID year or during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I was working from home and, you know, my schedule made it so that it was actually kind of easy for me to do so. Now that I'm back at the office, yes, sir. Like this is this is a completely different beast because you mm-hmm. know, you're driving to work. And so, for instance, Monday nights, my show goes live um, 9 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. And it's a live show. So I have to be sitting in front of the camera. I have to be ready. You know, I get off from work at 5 p.m. where I am, uh, Mountain Standard Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time. So by the time I get home, it's like a 40 minute drive. By the time I get home, I let my dogs out, spend some time with them, whatever. I sit down in front of my camera and it's Five fifty-five or eight fifty-five. Yeah. So, so now it's a huge difference. And as far as like clearing my head to to be in the right headspace to do the show, or even even the preparation that you were talking about, I have to make sure if I if I don't prepare before I go to work, my lunch that whole hour is dedicated to the show. And and a lot of times I don't even I can't quite get everything that I want done now. So so you're right, there absolutely is a sacrifice. So you know I, I have to prepare in advance, and then the part that hurts now that i'm not at home is you know for instance if there's breaking news or if there's something major that happens you're almost out of the mix and and you lose a lot of the engagement that you strive for and you lose a lot of um that that positive attention that can be geared towards your show and you know it, it it's definitely an adjustment now going back to work but you know all in all i think it's a it's a sacrifice that's well worth it it's a sacrifice that like i said now it's pushing me to a place where I may be very soon making that transition to to just doing the show. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it and I'm, I'm hoping that, that it grows there, but even if not the experience and, and all the relationships that I've built over the last year, I mean, I, I got, I'm on, I'm on the Pat Moran show. I mean, come on, stop it,
1: stop. But in all seriousness, you do a show. The difference between our shows is you're live, right? You're live. This ain't so if Jay Spence goes on the air live and screws up, he's gotta, he's gonna have to eat that on the air. Whereas we're doing this interview right now, and if I fumble over a question or something happens, I'll be like, oh shit, Jay Man, you know what? We're gonna cut that out. So I have the mindset, and maybe that relaxes me more. I could afford I mean, I'm not trying to make no mistakes when I do my show, but every now and then it, it happens. You don't have that luxury. Like, how long did it take you to kind of get used to, I don't know. I don't know if it's pressure. Maybe it is pressure. Maybe it's not. But just that mindset that, hey, man, I'm live.
2: Well, for me, it was the only thing I had to get over personally. And I don't want this to come across as cocky or because I promise you I'm not. But I had to get over myself as far as thinking I wasn't good. You know, the the moment I got past, you know, nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody's going to watch the show or nobody likes my takes the moment i kind of got over caring about what other people thought the freedom just started to flow because as far as like going live i used to so another little tidbit of information that a lot of people don't know because i kind of buried it i used to when i grew up i grew up in the church like i said so you know my best friend and i jared we had a a gospel hip-hop group that we did together released a couple albums Did really, really well. And so I'm used to performing live in front of people. I'm used Uh to actually, and at the time, I actually, I'm no longer in ministry, but I used to be a minister. I started preaching at the age of 14. So I'm used to standing up in front of audiences and, and telling stories and getting your story across and making, you know, so, so being live wasn't a fear of mine. It was more so nobody's going to like what I'm saying. So anybody who's looking to, to get into podcasting, I promise you just get over yourself. As soon as you get over yourself, the rest of it just opens up. Just have fun.
1: Yeah, uh, Confidence is literally everything. I go back and I listen to some of my early episodes and I was really fortunate, man. I had some incredible guests on right away. And, but I go back and I listen to myself and I'm like, but I learned <laughs> from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I got absolutely. a lot, co- I got a lot of confidence. And for the record, by the way, I love doing live stuff too. Like I do the Finder wings club. And that it's taped, but it's also live because like right now, this is like kind of like studio sound, so it's nice and quiet. It would be easy to edit something. But when you're live and you got a lot of crowd noise behind you, you're at a bar in a restaurant, it's very obvious when you edit. So that is like to use a golf term, gripping and rip it when I'm doing those kind of situations. And I actually think I, I thrive on them. I actually uh, enjoy doing them a lot. Now, Buffalo Rumblings, all right? I want to talk a little bit about how you got involved with Buffalo Rumblings because I'm going to tell you right now, man, I love all the outlets out there um, there's people from every outlet that I'm a fan of, but I love Rumblings, man. Anthony Marino, Bruce Nolan. I mean, come on, dude. I, I, I've been saying for well over two years now, Bruce is, Bruce is the best bills podcaster in the game, period. End of story, mainstream alternative media. I've said that a million times, but anyway, him, Matt, so many talented people there, man. Of course you and Joe as well. Just kind of talk about, uh, getting involved with Rumblings.
2: Yeah, so I I agree about Bruce. Bruce is an absolute beast at this. Yes. <laughs> like and and I actually owe a lot to Bruce for getting me involved. So the way it all worked out, so I was at, I started doing my podcasting um with the Buffalo Fanatics network. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, shout out to those guys there. They took a chance on me and you know, it just I, I started to see kind of where I wanted to end up as far as doing the podcasting. It was a, a very specific type of audience I wanted. It was a very specific way I wanted to present my show. And and those guys at, at Buffalo Fanatics were like, hey, we support you, man. We're gonna hook, we got your back. Let's do this. So after speaking with Joe and after speaking with Bruce, Bruce set up the meeting with with Matt and Anthony and and I, I kind of just shared with them my vision and, and what I wanted to do. And I think this season we're actually going to be able to see really what my vision for my show was. Last year was you know, I, I was trying to perfect, you know, speaking and, and monologuing sure. and sure. interviewing. So now that I feel a little bit more confident in that, I think this year I can kind of focus on the presentation. So this year you will be able to see what my vision and plans were, but you know, those guys, you know, Matt and Anthony, Anthony, Marino, let me, let me just start with Anthony. Like he, first of all, he's one of the best men and leaders that I've ever met. And, awesome and dude. The, the words that you said about how you know rumblings is just awesome, you are not you you can- you cannot be more accurate. Those guys are as legit as they come, and Anthony Marino has been one of the biggest support systems in everything, and as you know in podcasting sometimes there's ups and downs you you have good days, bad days, you get annoyed um and and especially when you add on you tack on the the attention and the the pressure you get sometimes from Twitter and other social networks. Anthony has been the biggest support system. So, you know, I want to say, I want to shout out him and, and, you know, and everybody over there. But, but yeah, they, they kind of just embraced me and they told me, Hey, your vision is your vision and we, we don't want to change it. We want to support you and we, we want to see this thing push forward. And they, they got behind me and I'm ready for the season, man. It's going, it's going it's to be great.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I love Anthony Marino. He is really a legitimate, great guy. And anytime I'm ever in a pinch and I'm like, shit, man. I need to get a guess. I need to put something together. Nine and a half times out of 10, I give that guy a call on pretty much almost no notice. And if he can make it happen, he does. He always goes out of his way for, not just for me. I mean, for everybody. And he's just a very kind person. And I'll tell you this about Bruce. And I'm, I know I'm saying this like to sound funny, but I'm not being funny. I'm being dead serious. I think my biggest claim to fame since I've started this podcast isn't the people that I've been able to have on the show or some of the better conversations that I had. My claim to fame is, I'm telling you, man, it was 2019. I don't remember exactly when, but the Nick and Nolan show was just starting to pick up a little bit of steam. Like it wasn't that popular yet, but it was starting to get there. And I had those two guys on the show, Nick and, uh, and Bruce, of course. And it's tough when you're not that well-known at the time and uh, not everybody knows who you are. And you're also sharing Mic time with somebody else doing a show. It's kind of hard to stand out. I knew then, man, I said, right then, I said, this dude is probably the smartest and best Bills podcaster out there. There's just something about his voice, his energy, um, the presentation, just his knowledge, his preparation for everything. It was just unbelievable. And I remember saying that, man, 2019, I'm like, this dude's the best. And yeah. now I kind of feel like most people know that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, if that's like my disgust. I don't want to say my discovery, but I jokingly tell him. I say, I, I deserve 15% of your credit right now, all the time you give, because I was the first one in on him and saying, yo, this dude's just, he's on another level. And he is, man. And I got no problem saying that. I think he's the best one out there. I really do.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And and I even, I attribute my development to him. When I when I first got to, to Buffalo Rumblings, I was, um, like I said, I, I was a bit raw. I enjoyed the build. So it was all passion and it was all, you know, just straight emotion and just fire takes, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm coming with. But he actually took the time that to to help me develop as, you know, as an analyst, as somebody who takes the time to really understand the game a little bit more, not necessarily because under, I understood the game. He taught me how to understand it to a point that I can convey it to my audience where they understood the point that I was trying to make without losing it. And, and that's, it's actually, it's very difficult to do at a high sure. level. And and I feel like I'm a lot better at it now. I'm still not Bruce. And uh <laughs> but Bruce, thank you so much, man. Bruce, dude, I agree with you. Best in Buffalo, yeah. hands down.
1: Yeah, I yeah, definitely. So your podcast, like sometimes it's just you. Often you have a guest. You so you're you're versatile and, and and like you said, every episode, every week, you're you're getting better and better and better and better. And you've had some pretty good guests yourself on your show, man. Lorenzo Alexander's good get. C.J. Spiller, one of my favorite running backs. I don't care if he, you know, if he should have had a better Bills career, fine, whatever. But he's just an exciting dude and a great dude, man. I was the biggest C.J. Spiller fan out there. So that was a really good get for you. Mike Rodak was another guest that you had. I like Mike, Mike, man. And Mike is a, uh, Mike (laughs) was a polarizing figure with sports media, (laughs) which you probably know. But he kind of played into the, you know, the heel, so to speak, like all the fans, you know. hated on him he didn't get mad about that for the most part he kind of played into it you you know what i'm saying it worked for him how did i'm gonna ask you about cj specifically so talk about that a little bit and i ask you that because of this you know guys like lorenzo it's great isaiah mckenzie mike rodak they're really good guests they were all good interviews but they weren't really necessarily like unique you know like i've had a lot of athletes on the show and it's like yeah great i got this guy but it's not like he's also been on a lot of other shows too I don't hear much from CJ Spiller on any other podcast. So right. for you to be able to have, you know, that conversation and talk about that process of like getting him on there. And also because you, you know, you'd meant to be relatively new at this podcasting thing. Did you have a little bit more nerves like leaning up to the show at all getting into it?
2: No. So so with CJ, um, I think the reason why. So first, I, I know him. I don't know him personally, like we're best friends or anything like that. But his brother, Darren, is um, a close friend of mine's manager in in the music industry. And, and like I said, I used to do music. So Darren and I actually are very close from back in like 2010, 2011, 2012. So CJ, like I said, I've known him a little bit because of that. So when I reached out, it actually I actually reached out to him back in maybe November. And it just worked out that his he was free around the time of the draft and it was like perfect because the story just came out that the bills may be interested in Travis Etienne, and he, you know, he's the coach down there at Clemson. So it just kind of worked. It lined up perfectly, you know, but, but no, CJ, I agree with you. He was one of my favorite bills players of all time. I know the career doesn't have the numbers that make him like he's not Thurman. I, I get that. He's not, but for me as a young man growing up, I watched football, but I didn't quite fall in love with football for myself until around that like 9, 10, you know, like that's when I really started to care. And dude, CJ, when he got drafted, (laughs) the speed, like all the excitement that surrounded him in that first round, it was like, okay, now we got something. And I know we had Marshawn. So Bill's fans don't kill me for saying now we have something, but I just thought like having that type of two headed monster back then was completely, it it was just, it was just amazing to, to hope for. So CJ, he was the first guest that I had that, coming on I did have nerves I'm normally not nervous with anybody but I was actually nervous with CJ
1: yeah there's been a couple times where I've done uh interviews with people and I would I'd, I'd be pacing the walls or, or the rooms I should say you know I'd be pacing the room um nerves would definitely build up but I think after a while you start to get used to it. And, I, and I'm sure at this point you are as well one more thing and then we'll spend the second half of the show talking some actual Buffalo Bills I mean at the end of the day you are a Bills podcast but again dude this is not a football podcast, man. I have people on, and this is part of the gig, man, just talking about people and getting to know them more beyond just uh, what they do. And I want to ask you how you deal with, uh, with your social media. Now, by that, I mean this. For the most part, I know you're going to say most people on, on Twitter are really good people, and they are, and it's true. And then you got your small percentage of, of jerk-offs, man. It's just, you know, it's the way it is, the haters, and, and they're just out there. And, as you get yourself out there more, and as you do shows and you're you're building your brand and your name, that also the downside of that comes with you know you got people who just who want to hate you know, or, and they just they'll say something, and their only intention is to get you to the say something back. you know what I'm saying, and I, I know I'm yeah. sure you've dealt with some of that, but not even so much as yourself, you see it all the time with the what stupid things that people say to these athletes and some of these mainstream media people and stuff like that. Like what's your take on social media? Because you know, as well as I do on one hand, if for nothing else, you need Twitter, you need social media because you are building a brand and being able to put out your show for the world to consume instantly that the second it's published, that's very meaningful. But at the other, you know, on the other side of the, of the token, it could be a really cesspool, man. It could be a very ugly place full of ugliness. We see it every day. Like for an example, that thing that's going on, the Bill's mafia babes, you know, some idiot makes up a parody account just to be hurtful for no specific reason other than to be hurtful. And I'm sure you see it a lot. Like what's your take on social media and how you try to manage the balance between it being useful, but also, like I said, accessible in some ways.
2: Well, I I try to utilize the filters as much as possible so you know any anything that i've definitely muted a ton of words that i feel like are always associated with certain type of conversations mm-hmm. so um i just feel like when you control what you see for yourself when you when you control what you allow in you know it it allows you to really you know just fix the rest of your day how you want it when when so for instance i i'll, I'll tell a, a quick experience that kind of ruined me and it almost made me quit podcasting it almost made me quit twitter it almost like just i was gonna just say you know what i'm back to being a fan only i don't care so last year i don't know if you recall i'm sure you do when bomani jones came out and said you know man bill's mafia every time i say something about josh allen there's a part of bill's mafia that comes out and they're this kind of person and they say these type of things and Mm -hmm. bill's mafia like jumped at him and they're like what you're lying so as a member of Bill's Mafia, who happens to be black, I said, well, no, I'm going to just tell you, I get those experiences and I'm part of the fan base. Right. I got crucified. And what I learned from that is, for me, what I learned for that is everything doesn't have to be addressed. And it was tough for me at first because I was raised to be such a you know, respectful person. I speak to everybody who speaks to me. I acknowledge you if you acknowledge me. You know, I try to I try to put a smile on everybody's face, even if it's just just minimal. I try to joke or I try to laugh, you know, say something to make you smile or make you feel better. That that's my angle every day. You know, so for for the people who decide to come back with hatred or any type of it used to really bug me. And what I'm learning is the more you allow people or the more you allow yourself to see people who don't have good intentions, the more your intentions will get blurry. and and for me to be as efficient or the best version of me that I would like to be, I have to block all that noise out. And as far as the bills, mafia babes and, and that troll, I think they, they actually tried to make an account of me Friday, uh, you know, last week. And I'd, you know, I thought it was funny. I'm like, hey, well, hell, if you're gonna <laughs> I was be gonna me, say
1: welcome to the club, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you I'm, ain't nobody until you get a parody. Trust me, I, I I've had a couple of them as well. Yeah,
2: <laughs> there it is. So, well, I told him, I'm like, hey, if you're gonna do it, can you at least you know take over the show responsibilities for like two weeks so I can get a little break here, like you know, because this is, it, first of all, it's ridiculous though. Everything that they're doing to, to Kristen to the group you know, it, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. And and at some point it needs to stop. And and lately I've been using my platform a little more to speak out against, uh, normally I try to stay quiet to things, but the, the way people have been attacking like Cody Ford, the way people have been attacking the bills, mafia babes, I, I I'm, I'm like, you know what? We're a family in Buffalo. You know, bills mafia was meant to be a family. It wasn't meant to attack ourselves. So at that point, I now feel like my platform has grown to the point where people somewhat respect me, and they respect, you know, where I come from and my angle. So, look, I'm, I'm gonna start using my platform to say, like, look, this isn't cool. <laughs> it's not cool. We have a player on our team. You don't know if he's struggling with any type of depression at home. You don't know if he's upset about the day. And let, you're me and too, Jay, let me throw it out there too, Jay. Let me
1: throw it. Let me throw it out there to everybody too. You actually you recorded about this specifically.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I I did it live for, on one of the shows and I took the clip down to to put it up, but you know, it it absolutely it bothers me when, you know, people wake up and it's like their goal is to ruin somebody's day. You know, all the stuff that we see the Bill's Mafia babes do. You know, I've I've personally sat back for a year and watched them raise money for charity. I've watched them raise money for Players' charities. I've watched them, you know, help other women out. I've watched, I've watched Kristen and Laura and and others create a community that women feel safe to be free and be transparent and to ask questions and to get involved. They've created a place that really it shouldn't be a need for, but they've done it. And the thing is, we should be applauding them. We should be, you know, we should be grateful that now there's an opportunity. For us to create more unity by this, instead we have people who wake up and decide, "Oh, I'm gonna say mean things about Kristen. Oh, I'm gonna say mean things about Ashley Petty." It, it's time out, man. Like we really have to stop and we have to be better. And women deserve better, just in general. Yeah, women that's the
1: better. whole thing. Now I'm, I don't want to assume that it that it's a man who's created this parody because we, we you know, we right. don't know. But whatever it is, it's disgusting. And you know, and I'm sure you know this too. It's easy to say because I, I hear it all the time. Because every now and then I. I I engage with people probably more than I should like my philosophy. (laughs) I wish it was like yours. I don't mute shit. I don't block shit. I just an idiot who goes back at people a lot. And I'm sure that also inspires people to say dumb things to me because they know that there's a good chance that I'm going to clap back at them. But isn't it easy to say, well, just have thick skin and blow it off. It's easier said than done though, ain't it? But people are saying nasty shit about you, man. It
2: is. It um, it was hard for me at first because, it, to be honest, the first couple of times I started to get any type of negative attention or feedback, you know, I do a post that I'm proud of, and it's like, oh, you suck. You're, you know, you're, you know how the right. energy comes. And the first time, man, like, it really will ruin your day. Like you'll have an attitude with people at work, or you know, I get mad at my dogs, like, no, get away from me. And it's like, no, come here, let me pet you, <laughs> let me love you. You know, but it really will, it'll ruin your day. And I, I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it, man.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, I'm here with Jay Spencer King. I, you know, I suppose we should probably talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills stuff. So... And it, let me say this too, I'm going to preface this. We're taping this late on Sunday night and this is dropping Tuesday morning. So most people are hearing this either Tuesday morning or sometime Tuesday during the day. If anything happens on Monday, our bad. <laughs> what are we going to do? We can't talk about something. We don't know that shit didn't even happen yet. But anyway, the Bagulas, is bad. Big news on Sunday. A report from the Buffalo News came out. They pitched a 1.5 billion proposal for a new stadium in Orchard Park. And also some money for renovations for the Key Bank uh, Center downtown. Per the report, TBN sources said that they want the public to pay 100%, which naturally resulted in absolute, a shitstorm on Twitter. Just people going nuts right away. Um, What else do I have here? Oh, so the team... Made no over threats. Now this is the, the Buffalo News story that I'm I'm quoting. Here. The team has made no over th- threats, sources say, to to leave Buffalo if it doesn't get the full funding requested. And this is where shit hit the fan. But it is made clear to government negotiators that there are other cities elsewhere that desire an NFL franchise and would pay handsomely for it. ESPN later on reported a source that said Austin, Texas was uh was mentioned. Let's start here, man. Let me get a uh, well, actually just l- let me get your take on these reports, and then I'll chime in with what I got. But like, what was your reaction to this news?
2: Well, my my initial reaction was, that, you know, it's it's just um, the talks have started. I don't, I don't, I don't, right? Uh, I don't think it's anything more than that. And I understand the way the reports were written. Well, not both of them. There was one report that basically just stated what the facts of the conversation were, and there was another one that I feel was kind of heavily skewed to to be a negative you know like it, it made it look like the pagulers were basically saying like yeah give us this money or we're getting the hell out of new york state and it's over you know and that's i just i just think that there's going to be a huge overreaction to the idea that they're trying to let the state know look there are other teams or other states that will absolutely pay for this i just think it's a it's a you know, they're bidding or they're, you know, they're, they're really trying to do business. You know, good business people do that all the time. They go back and forth all the time. I, you know, this morning or yesterday, Joe, myself and Bruce had a discussion about some things and nobody cares because we're not billionaires. It's just, you know, it's just us. And right. the difference is this is about the team that everybody loves and it's about, you know, the stadium. But I, I honestly, I think the way it's going to go, that the state is going to rebuttal. They'll have something else and then they'll meet somewhere in the middle. That, that's, yeah, that's really how I
1: feel it's going to happen. That listen, absolutely. This is how negotiations start. You're trying to uh, like if you're out and you're trying to get a job and you're negotiating, you're going to shoot for the moon, right? You want to shoot for something unrealistic and then they're going to counter with something that's not realistic. And ultimately, you kind of work on meeting towards the middle. Now, at the end of the day, a lot of people are saying they should pay for the stadium by themselves. That shit ain't happening. I can tell you that right now. That's not happening, nor is the county or the state going to foot the whole entire bill, 1.5 billion. That's not happening either. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. I don't know who it is, so I, I can't even credit them on Twitter, but somebody put up a, a stat with several uh, stadiums that generally four to 700 million of it was paid for by uh, taxpayers. I think you can kind of expect something along those lines, but man, I'm telling you, it, it is scary. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's scary. And and people, I have good friends of mine who, you know, don't really follow all the details that much, but they're scared. They're like, oh, this team's going to end up moving. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're not going to let this team, they're, it's not going to happen, but it's going to be a tough negotiation, man. Look at the end of the day, Terry Bagula, he's not a savior. He wasn't a savior. He's a businessman. Okay. He's a Sabres fan, he's a Bills fan, but more importantly, he's a businessman. And he's here to make money. And that's just how he that's why he's rich. Because of that mindset. You know what I mean? But admittedly, it is a little bit. This is going to be tense. And there's going to be a lot of reports that come out. And it's going to be a tough negotiation. And you might hear some, I don't want to say rumors, but there'll be some stuff out there that the team, not that they're considering leaving but they're at least their camp is going to float some shit out that hey because that's part of a negotiation again we do have other suitors again that's what a negotiation is but you kind of knew this day was coming right jay i mean sooner or later this was going to come that stadium was going to have to get redone i never thought that they would renovate it now what i am surprised about is that they're going to build a stadium essentially across the street kind of feel like 1.5 billion why not build it downtown i mean i'm sure they know more they did a lot more research than I have, so I'm sure they got their reasons. I'm a little bit surprised about that, but uh, you gotta saw this coming, right?
2: Yeah, actually, I was expecting it to be because everything that I heard, and like I said, I don't want to speak on certain conversations because obviously they didn't come to fruition, but um, in, in the political environment. A lot of people were thinking that it was going to be where the Perry projects are, you know, almost down downtown. Yeah. So I thought, you know, as much as I didn't, I'm not I'm not on the side that I think it should be downtown. But if it is going to be in the city or close to downtown, I think that's the perfect place for it. Um, But to put it right across the street from from where we already are, that that is like, no, that that doesn't quite make sense to
1: me. Well, part of the reason might be too, in part, because like, by not knocking the stadium down, they're not going to have to leave for one to two years while a new stadium gets built. Now, selfishly, I do like it in Orchard Park because A, I live closer to there. And B, I'm also good friends with some of the, the bartenders and the owners of the neighborhood bars who would, you know, they would just be decimated if if they left. But anyway, I, I mean, it's a little bit too early right now. Like I said, we're taping a Sunday night. These reports literally just started trickling on on Sunday. So let's, uh, let's wait a little bit more before we start getting too judgmental or you know starting to jump to conclusions on what's going on. Now, one thing, even just a couple practices in, some observations. Now, I'm, I haven't been in any practices. You haven't. But I do talk to media people regularly, not just on the show, but privately as well, kind of picking their brain on what they're seeing so that I have a more informed uh, take when I come on the podcast. And there's two guys which kind of lead in the two positions that I wanted to spend a few minutes talking to you about that have really looked good so far. And again, by so far, we're pretty much talking T-shirts and shorts at this point. But still, nonetheless, one of them, FA Obata. I've heard really good things from various uh, Bills media personalities who are covering practices. And every last one of them think he's going to make the roster. And to me, that's interesting because of the sheer numbers, Jay, because, I mean, if you look at defensive end, so you got Jerry Hughes, obviously, you assume Addison's going to make the team, I'm not so quick to assume that, but anyway, Hughes, Addison, A.J. Epinesa, the two rookies, Rizzo and Basham, that's five right there, right? Then you got Ed Oliver and Starlo Tutelé on the defensive end, or defensive tackle. That's seven, right off the bat, and that's not even counting. Vernon Butler and Harrison Phillips and Justin Zimmer in the mix, Daryl Johnson in the mix. So, even if they were to keep 10, which is a lot for a defensive line. I mean, if you got Butler and Phillips. That's nine. There's only a spot for one more. So
2: I, th- I think um, I think FA about to makes this roster. But I, and I've actually said that prior to training camp. I th- first, there, there's a there's a very distinct way that Brandon Bean is appearing to like to build rosters. He likes to build rosters with raw. Athletically gifted players. So they might not necessarily be the complete product that they're gonna be, but he likes guys that just have the ability to do things. And then he trusts the coaching staff to put it all together. So with FA about first of all, I was disappointed that to find out that if he was on this roster with his five and a half sacks last season, he would have led the team in sacks. So that alone, right there, lets you know that this guy is already either on the level that we have or he's, you know kind of slightly, slightly better. As far as Mario Addison, I, I, I think I agree with you. I, I didn't see him initially just being cut or released or anything like that, especially with, with the contract. You know, he, he did a, a bit of a restructure over the summer. Yeah. So he took a pay cut basically. Yeah. I, he took a pay cut and 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 it helped the team. And so I feel like, okay, he, he probably will make, but at the same time, I, I really think that the team wants to improve there and they're very happy on offense they're obviously very happy on defense, but the offensive, I mean, the defensive line is where they weren't happy on defense. I know a lot of Bills fans personally, you know, like Levi Wallace in the, in the secondary, and like, they're like, oh, we need better. But the, the team is happy there. The team is very happy there. The, the defensive line is where the team is not happy. So you, you see, they spent the first two draft picks this year on the defensive line. They brought in F.A. Obada. I really think if there's going to be changes to be made on that line, it's with those two guys that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, with Addison, if they were to cut him, it's going to be because he's just completely lost and he's awful because there's no financial gain whatsoever. In fact, they would eat a lot more dead cap money than they would actually save cap dollars were they to cut him. So again, if you're going on the assumption that they end up keeping Ted, and if everybody, God willing, stays healthy, because that's the most important thing, I feel like, and, and also Obata could slide in and play some inside as well. I feel like it comes down to Butler, Phillips, Zimmer, Johnson, and then Obata for maybe three spots. So two of those guys that I mentioned are in big trouble if everybody stays healthy. I would say maybe Zimmer and Daryl Johnson were the two leading candidates to be in trouble. And that's even if you keep 10, I think they like Daryl Johnson more than a lot of people give credit for. And Justin Zimmer played pretty well last year too. So there's going to be some tough decisions to make on this line again, assuming that everybody uh can stay healthy.
2: I agree, and but the thing that gets to me is how you can, because you're you're right, a lot of people have actually also said that they feel Jordan not Jordan Phillips, good grief, that they feel uh Harris Philip Harris
1: uh, Harrison Phillips, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm tripping today. Harrison Phillips <laughs> is uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people feel that that he was like a cut. You know, like he was a bubble player. And it's like, wait a minute. Are you, are you kidding me? First of all, last year he he came back and he was playing after recovering from two ACL injuries. You know, like right. the guy wasn't fully, he just wasn't healthy. What we saw prior to him tearing his ACL, that is that is what we're going to get plus some. He's lost weight. He's he's definitely, I mean, he looks good. I don't know if you've, if you had the chance to kind of look at the videos from camp over the weekend and, and yeah, just I did. To kind of see. Yeah. The guy looks good. He's chiseled, man. Like he's, he put on some muscle. It's going to be a problem with, with Ed Oliver, he, him and, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the line, man. I don't think that, I don't think that he's, I think it's Zimmer. I agree with you there. And I think, honestly, I think Johnson's gone as well.
1: Yeah. And again, that's going on. First of all, that they keep 10 and that everybody stays healthy. And then the other position, because I don't want to talk about offensive line yet. Cause Dawkins isn't even there yet. Ike's not even there yet. So we could talk about them another time, but it's early, but wide receiver. So the secret's out now about Jay Carole. Everybody knows that he's playing well. I mean, I'm not breaking any news here on this podcast. I know you've heard the same. And of course, we know how much Aaron Rodgers loves him. He went out of his way to single him out during his oppressor uh, last week. But this is another position on the team, Jay, where it's like, all right, so you know, Stefan and Beasley, because Beasley ain't going nowhere. Anybody who thought otherwise... Come on, man. Yeah, I don't even know what to on, tell you. Manuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis. Those four are complete locks, okay? I think, and I personally think Isaiah McKenzie is close to a lock, but not quite a lock, as that fit. So if you're going to keep six, you got Isaiah Hodgkins, you got Marquez Stevenson, the rookie, and, and then you got Cromwell. So that's only one of those three if you keep it six. And even if you're going to go to seven, that's still one of those three. That's a good player that's going to get cut. Wide receiver is definitely going to be a position to watch for throughout camp in the preseason. Not so much for the, for the front half of the depth chart, but certainly the back end of it. It's, it, it's shaping up to be really interesting.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm going with, with Kumaro making a roster. You know, I, I'm I know, I know last year, everybody was excited about Hodgins and, I know this season, going into it, everybody's excited about Hodges, and I haven't I haven't really heard much this time around, but it doesn't mean that he's not making waves. The, the thing is, it, Jake Kummer, so he had a chance last year to play with and be around Aaron Rodgers and a team that made it to the NFC Championship, and he got a chance to play with and be around a team that made it to the AFC Championship. So he used that year to first see what it takes to be a winning player and be on a, win, a winning franchise to to have those experiences in one season you know exactly what you need to work on on the off season he will make a he will probably make every other team you know but but you're right our roster is so deep at wide right receiver i actually think i get beat up now i think isaiah is going to be the one cut mckenzie not because i don't think he's good i think he's very talented but i think what ends up happening is unless he absolutely comes out and dominates that punt kick return position i think they they clearly drafted guys with the intention on developing and keeping them for that if if he doesn't beat out stevenson for that job i don't i don't think that he's i don't think isaiah mckenzie is the wide receiver that can come in and make the plays that jake will make with the offense I don't think he's the wide receiver that's going to come in and actually take snaps from Gabriel Davis, even though that's his second year in the league. He definitely isn't going to take snaps from Sanders and Beasley and Diggs. So when you look at that, are you going to keep a guy that you're going to look at as your sixth option on offense and maybe your backup punt and kick returner if he doesn't win the position? I don't think so. He has to absolutely win that position in order to make this roster, in my opinion. If he doesn't win it, I don't think we see him on the Buffalo Bills this this season.
1: I think the best thing Isaiah McKenzie has going for him right now is I think the coaches trust him. I, I think Ryan Dable trusts trust him and he likes him with crew Look, I'll say this and it seems like such an obvious take. So I'm almost too obvious, but I could see a situation where he gets traded. I could see because at the end of the day, if he makes this roster and I think he would probably, I agree with you. I think he would make it if there's no trades or anything. He's the fifth or sixth receiver, you know what I mean? If, if they can get a fifth rounder from Green Bay, which I was talking about trading in the Green Bay, it just sounds so over, obviously, but I really think I could see something like that happening. Now, see, I personally, I'm in the mindset right now that I think the most likely thing at wide receiver, and again, we're prefacing this on saying everybody stays healthy. I could see them trying to sneak Isaiah Hodgins or uh, Marquez Stevenson, one of them, hopefully get them through waivers and get him on the practice squad. I could see that happening. Um, but again, you know I, what? I can see both. <laughs> I yeah. can see both yeah. of them. Although, look, it's, that's, that's why it's a fascinating position to talk about. Because you're right. Look, I, I said Isaiah McKenzie's not a lock to make this team. Um, Hodges or Stevens, they're not locks. Carrillo's not even a lock, even though he looks really good right now. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of uh, possibilities on that back end. Now, some of the camp battles, I, I feel like it's too early to really talk about them. Like with Dane Jackson versus Levi Wallace or the running backs. By the way, I've been beating this horse. I, you know what? Let me, actually, I do want to get your take on this. I am in the mindset that I don't think Devin Singletary is going to be that good. I, I just don't. And I don't care how much he worked out in the offseason, how big he looks. I think, will he start week one? Probably. But when, when the game's on the line and it's money time, I'm telling you now, Zach Moss is going to be the guy this year. I'm telling you now, Zach Moss will pull away and take over that role. I don't know how far Devin Singletary will fall. It's not that I it's not all right. Dude, because <laughs> I, I get this shit a lot. It's not <laughs> that I hate Devin Singletary. I just don't see anything about him that blows me away. There's nothing about him that blows me away. Where I see Zach Moss and I see a lot more potential with Zach, and I know they're gonna ride the hot hand, and that's how it's gonna probably go. I'm telling you now, that hot end's gonna that hot hand. Is going to be Zach Moss more than it's not. Do you disagree with me? And if you do, please let me know, man. Don't just agree with me to agree with me. Do you think oh, so, Devin so Singletary, what do you think his, his future is with this team?
2: Here's the thing. Your, so your take about Kumaro, that's been my take about Singletary. And, you know, actually just as recent as, I think we did the offense on overreaction last Sunday. And then we did the defense on Code of Conduct Monday. So last Sunday, I actually said, I think the preseason, I think they're going to try to build up Devin Singletary's trade value. I, I personally think he's on a team like the Rams or a team that needs somebody who has an injury or whatever. Because mm-hmm. what, I, what I do think, I think it was very strategic to bring in uh, Matt Breida. I think they absolutely lo- love Williams. And I agree with you. I think Zach Moss they is do. RB1. I've said plenty of times since since February. That Zach Moss, when he when he gets back from this injury, Zach Moss is that dude. And in year two for running backs typically is when the game slows down. If they like if they don't just come in and get it, year two is the year where they kind of take a step forward. Quarterbacks is year three. I think Zach Moss is RB one. And I think what we're gonna see is Devin is, and it's nothing against Devin. I love Devin. I wanted Devin to be the guy here. I would still like to see him carve out that that role and be the guy. What I think though, I think Sean McDermott trusts. Zach Moss more. We saw, I mean, you get benched in the AFC championship game and it, it, it's not good. It's just, no. it's not good. And the, the thing is, in the biggest moments, your coach wants to be able to say, all right, give it to him. And they can't do that with Devin right now. And I know Zach had a fumble that went into the end. I get that. After that, the team still trusted him. So that yeah. tells me something.
1: The team tells, means,
2: they still trusted him.
1: That should tell you a lot. And you're right about the championship game. And I'll go back to... uh His rookie year in the Houston game, the playoff game. I've said this many times. In the last six minutes of that fourth quarter and all of overtime, guess how many carries Devin Singletary had on an offense that didn't have Zach Moss? The answer is zero. He didn't have a carry in the second half or the last six minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime in that playoff game. I don't dislike Devin Singletary. First of all, I think he's a great person. I like him as a person. And I don't think he's a terrible running back. There's just... Nothing about him to me that just stands out. And I mean, to your point, because I've said this too before, I don't think this coaching staff trust him. And you don't want a running back who's one mistake away from getting benched all the time. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if you were to ask me, and maybe I'll look like an idiot three, four weeks for saying this right now, but if you were to say, Pat, pick one person on this entire roster right now that everybody's sleeping on that they shouldn't, you know what I'm gonna tell you? And it ain't Matt Breida either. It's Antonio Williams. Yeah. I'm telling you, I like that kid a lot. I think the and I think from what I hear, I think the Bills like him a lot more than most people think. I really do. I
2: absolutely agree with you. And and just before I move on to, to Williams, the, the point that you made about Devin. I agree. I like him and I want him to be great. And I think he could be great after his rookie year. We thought he was going to be great. The thing that doesn't impress me the same way it doesn't impress you. I think we're kind of on the same page here. I just think the scheme that the bills chose to go with, it doesn't fit Devin's running style. So with that being said, Devin, Devin is the kind of guy he needs to be in open space. He needs to be able to get the ball to Devin in open space for him to to create space behind our offensive line. It's just not going to work. So yeah, he makes that first guy miss, but by the time he he spins and hits the the dead you know leg drop and all that stuff that he does to create space, then the second or third guy is there to tackle him. We need a guy that's going to either run you over, run through the tackles. And that, that's just not Devin. So it's not a bad thing. It's just that I don't feel Devin fits. But to, to your point about Williams, Antonio Williams, I actually had him on the show not too long ago as well. Dude, he first of all, he's an impressive guy. He's a really good guy. But the team absolutely loves him and it's, I not, know they do. it's not what you know just what we're reading in articles and the team if you talk to people specific people on the team they'll tell you they're very excited this year about antonio williams they're very excited about all the things that he showed week 17 against miami but even more so than that they're impressed with his work ethic off the field they're after that game it was like oh this is what it feels like to to beat down a team and, and get cheered on. Let me do this so I can do this every week next season. And the team notices that. They love
1: that. By game. The, and by the way, that wasn't a, a meaningless regular season finale for Miami. That was no. a playoff game for Miami. And he, and he just ran wild, man. The kid's a good player. And I'm telling you, he's going to get better. Don't be shocked if he's on this 53. Whether it's a trade for Singletary, whether it's Matt Breida getting caught or something like that. Do not be shocked if that guy's on the 53 when this is all uh, setting and done. One more Bill's question. So it's been a fun offseason, right? I mean, it's been fun. Yeah. The, the Josh Allen's been celebrated. He almost won MVP. Stephon Diggs is getting all the love that he deserves. Um, Trey White's been one of the best corners in the league for quite a while. The, you know Just the secondary as a whole. The Bills are prohibitive favorites right now to win the AFC East this year. But are you a little bit, because again, you've been a Bills fan for a while, man. Are you a little bit apprehensive right now or worried about being prohibitive favorites? Because last year was awesome. And it's not like they were a Cinderella team that came out of nowhere. I mean, they made the playoffs the year before and they took the next step. Now, but they weren't going in the last year. Nobody thought, well, I don't wanna say nobody, outside of Buffalo, at least. People didn't think the Bills were gonna just absolutely dominate the division like they did and become one of the best three or four teams in the NFL. Now, for the first time, probably 30 some years, that's the expectation. We're talking July, August right now, and the expectation is the Bills are going to be one of the final three or four teams left in the NFL when it's all said and done. Are you a little bit worried to be in that position because we're used to kind of being, you know, the underdog? Like what, what's your feelings about that?
2: No, I actually um when you look at the roster, so if if you're gonna take a step away from being a Bills fan and you just look at the roster top to bottom, it's it's a roster that, you know, yeah, I, I think this team is built for success. Sure. Josh Allen, if he if he gives us the Josh Allen, he was last year or even if he takes a minimal regression, like if he takes a step back and he's similar to the Josh Allen we had last year and then our defense improves, we're still going to be lights out. So I'm not I'm not concerned. My concern about this upcoming season is the expectation from the fan base, because now, you know, we had a very successful year. We went to the AFC championship. We won the AFC East. We swept the division. Josh Allen broke every passing record and blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay. The thing is now the fan base feels like we're undefeatable. I think (laughs) there are tougher games on our schedule than we want to give credit for. For instance, the Washington football team is not a team to be slept on. I don't think that they're going to come into Buffalo and dominate us. I don't think they're going to kill us. But at the same time, if we are not awake for that game, Ron Rivera built a very good roster out there. And if if Fitz shows up to play, he has good receivers and tight ends to throw to. He has running backs that love to run. And listen, last season, I know we got star back, and I know we have, you know, some new additions for my rookies. And, you know, we got a, a new linebacker that, that joined us from the Texans. But listen, those guys can run and they love to run. Their defense is solid. So as good as Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs was last season, Guess what? They got some guys that might. I'm not saying stop us and and completely shut us down, but they got some guys that can kind of try to keep them to a certain number to let their offense try and compete. And that is not the type of team you want to sleep on. There's a couple teams on on the schedule this year where I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it, guys. We were great last year, but we're not going 17 and 0. So that that's my concern.
1: Yeah, look, this is a a great roster, and I don't think they're overrated. Not at all. But that said, my concern is. The AFC's just loaded, man. You know, it's nothing against the Bills. It's just that this is a really good conference. Obviously, Kansas City, we don't need to talk about them. But Cleveland, dude, Cleveland's a good team. They're yeah. really good, man. And if Baker Mayfield is even above average for the whole season, and if Beckham stays healthy, dude, they're right there. To me, they're right there with Buffalo right behind Kansas City. Like, my personal own AFC power rankings would have Kansas City, and then I would have like 2A and 2B with Buffalo and Cleveland. I think Cleveland's that good, man. They had, And they had an awesome offseason. Baltimore's still dangerous as hell. I mean, look, Lamar Jackson just won MVP two years ago, all right? Yeah. Dude ain't a bum. He's a, he's a good football player, and they have a good team. Uh, Tennessee's dangerous. And they got Julio Jones, you know? Um, Indy, I don't know the quarterback situation, but Indy's a good team. Miami can be dangerous. Hey, who's to say Tua doesn't take a step next year. I mean, Josh Allen was not very good as a rookie, and he improved a lot in year two, right? Right. Why can't Tua do that? They got weapons. They got weapons in Miami now, man. They're, Absolutely. They're a good team. Uh, New England even. You know, I'll tell you what. Do I think they're better than Buffalo? No. But they're a lot better on paper than they were last year. I'll tell you that. Well, man, they you went what, out, i don't They got a I lot of talent.
2: I don't think they're better than Buffalo. I agree with you there. But what I will say, if just roster composition, they're not far. Now, you know, the thing is, obviously, a lot is going to rely on Cam Newton and his shoulder. Last year, it it was like a shell of him, literally a shell of himself. He just he was throwing, you know, seven yard outs into the dirt. So, you know, so it was a little different. But if Cam Newton has anything left and he can kind of have a somewhat healthy season, listen, he has good tight ends to throw to. You know, they improved the wide receiver position. They improved defense. And they got some guys to, that's now playing who opted out. They made some good trades. Matthew Judon is a dog. Like, he is a monster on that defensive side of the ball. So, New England is not to be slept on. I don't, I don't want to disappoint Bills fans, but, you know, this is one of those years that I'm like, well, maybe uh, we're probably not going to. It's very hard to sweep the division. I don't think we're going to do it two years in a row. I think we'll win the division, but I don't think we're going to sweep.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think the Bills deserve to be favorites in the AFC East, and I do think they'll win the AFC East, but it's not quite the uh, the sleepwalk that I think a lot of people think it's going to be. You know, one, one last thing, too. I'm gonna, I am going to throw this out there. I think Miami is a good football team right now, and there's a quarterback in Houston with who knows what's going on with all the legal shit, but it seems like he's going to play this year, and I don't think he's going to be with Houston. So if he does play and he goes to South Beach, you put Deshaun Watson on the Miami Dolphins, bro. It's, it's a whole new ball
0: game, man.
2: Or I'm just saying, again, I'm just earlier, saying. I just mentioned Washington. So, yeah. you know, I or, hope it, I hope it is
1: Washington. I, I
2: mean, I hope it's Washington, but at the same time, I don't. You know, it's like, to be honest with you, I want Deshaun Watson in, in Houston. Like the roster is gutted, not in a sense where I want him to suffer. His career is, you know, as a player. I'm, I'm only speaking so everybody don't beat me up politically about it. Right, right. We're the, talking about the player. Are correct, if any of these allegations are correct, he should not be on the field. Exactly. Moving on. Agreed. If 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 he's if he's not guilty, I want him to stay in a place where he's not going to be, you know, dangerous to my squad. So Houston right now is a shell of what they used to be. Keep him in Houston. You know, but anywhere if he's to go in Indianapolis right now, which won't happen because it's the same division. But you put Deshaun Watson. There's a couple teams that are literally a quarterback away. Denver. Denver. Oh, my God. Denver. um, Before before the draft, uh, if you put them out in San Francisco, if you put them in Chicago, like there's teams right now, if they have a Josh Allen, if they have a Deshaun Watson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, that team is going. And yeah. I do not want to see him in Washington. So, so um, um, no, we, we don't want to see that. But to your point about Tua, I, I agree with you. I think uh, the, the same point I made about Cody earlier in this conversation, where or not Cody, um, but who are we talking about? Uh, Harrison, about him being injured and, and having the knee injury. Tua had a very, very serious hip injury. Sure. And the thing is, when you watch him in college – no, He may not have had the Josh Allen strength for an arm, but he was accurate. He was super accurate, and he was able to move around and get away from certain situations and do things that we didn't quite see him do last year. I think a, a full offseason to get healthy and to really do some things to his body, work out, and, and put on some muscle, which it looks like he put on a little bit, I don't know. I, I think he can stay, take a step forward. I'm looking forward to the competition. Now, Miami, they're making some bad decisions with their stars. I don't know what's going on with the organization where it seems like their their stars want to get out so quickly. I have no clue. Howard wants out now. That would be good for us. Thank you. Get out.
1: Sure. <laughs> Agreed, man. Miami is going to be dangerous. And Deshaun Watson is definitely going to be a name that we're going to have to monitor over the next handful of weeks because I think he either doesn't play at all or he doesn't play in Houston. I don't think he's going to play for Houston. So I think if he does play, I think they're going to uh, trade him. But we'll, we'll wait and see. We got some time on that. Let's finish up with this. I got two more things for you, man. Moving beyond the bills. uh, Let's plug something. So I want you to tell us about the Chop Up. That's going to be airing on Saturday nights, 9 p.m. on YouTube starting September 12th, which is actually, uh, is that the night before the opener or night of the opener or something like that? But whatever. Coming in September, the Chop Up, Saturday nights. uh, Tell us about that show.
2: Yeah. So the chop up, um, it kind of. So last season, Mookie Hawkins for beat reporter for the Bills for WUFO uh, 1080. He actually every week we did a post game show where we went on and kind of just talked about the reactions. Any interview that he did with players, he would come on and we would just you know, chop it up. That, that was the whole concept mm-hmm. of it. This year, I decided um, Mookie is still going to kind of do that with me, but I think we're going to do it on the Code of Conduct where I'll have a segment where he comes in and, and kind of just gives us some news and, and all that stuff. But I decided I wanted to do a little, little something different. I wanted to do a cross network event. So Sterling Furrow, we cover one. He's one of the guys that I, I absolutely appreciate all his insight. He does very good scouting work. He does very good you know film breakdown and all that stuff. So one of the things that I want to look at throughout the year when certain players or certain positions are struggling throughout the year, I want to have the conversation to say, well, what players do you think we should be looking at as a scout in college? Like now, okay, hey, if if Dawson Knox doesn't show up like we like every Bills fan is hoping that he does this year, are the Bills going to be looking at tight ends next draft? So if so, which tight ends should we look at, Sterling? And that's what he's going to bring to the table. And then we have Kristen Kimmick, the the president of uh, Bills Mafia Babes. Again, she's you know a phenomenal person. She's a great person who's done a lot for the community. And I think she's a, a voice and she's a face for a group of women who who know their stuff and and she enjoys it. She's going to join me as well. And then last but not least, we have Angelina White. Uh, she she's a frequent guest on the Donut Bag. She. Again, if you if you listen to that, she knows her stuff. I know the donut bag typically covers like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot of Bills fans may not check it out, but she talks her bills. She talks her stuff. And and she she, again, she knows her football. So I'm very excited to kind of bring together three different with myself included now, four different networks or four different entities to bring a a pregame show where we're going to talk about the keys to victory for the team or, um, you know, just. Any and everything that that Bills fans would need going into the game, you're going to be able to get it on the chop up. And that's going to go live Saturday nights and then be released at midnight as a podcast. So if you missed it, you can, you know, listen to it on your way to the Ralph or, or Highmark Stadium. You can uh listen to it that way. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. Like I said, this season, you're going to really be able to see kind of what my vision was for for me as a personality and me as a brand. And and the chop up is a big part of that. So, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We got to get you on sometime. I know Kristen and Angelina loves you.
1: <laughs> I I was just with Kristen last week. We went, I met up with her downtown. We went to some music venue thing, some outdoor concert. And, and we had a really good conversation. We were talking about the bills and some of the stuff that she does. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. Plus, it's going to be different. You know what I mean? It's going to be, I'm sure it's going to have some some casual vibes to it as well, which I think is really cool. Last thing here. So you're going to be in Buffalo and there's an event called Circle the Wagons. It's a skating event you're involved with. It's September 11th, the night before The home opener from 4 to 7 p.m. North Buffalo Street in Orchard Park. $15. It's the Frank Young Sports Arena, by the way. North Buffalo Street in Orchard Park. $15 admission, $3 skating rental. So 18 bucks, man. Get you three hours of skating fun with Bills fans, including yourself. I'm sure that's something you're looking forward to.
2: Yeah, I can't wait, man. So obviously, like you mentioned earlier, I'm in Phoenix now, so I'm not in Western New York. But, you know, I miss home. I miss the food. I miss the fun. I miss all the fans who, you know, I miss tailgating and all that stuff. So what we're looking to do, obviously, Friday night, the cold front report is hosting a a party at soho for all the bills fans to get together where it's going to be more of an adult type situation 21 and up drinking club (laughs) environment which is cool i'll be there too you know I'm, i'm looking forward to just partying all weekend so i'll be there but i wanted to also do something that we can include the kids and and just have a family type of outing so we i teamed up with uh like the Bill's Mafia babes again, I teamed up with them as well as Poncho's army. And we're going to, you know, just raise some money for both charities. I'm not getting a dime from this. It's more so just to take the money, put it right back into the community, put it right back into everything that they're doing to help Bill's Mafia and, and to help the community. So I'm excited. Come skate with me. I'm a fall. I'm a fall a few times. Actually, I'll be sore. So, so don't laugh at me. Don't put me on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever. To, I don't even know if, are those still like the, the things to do that people put you on? TikToks. So.
1: You know what? I, I can't even front. I was going to tell you, I don't know, but I do know. I spend way too much time. <laughs> I lay in bed. I lay in bed sometimes and I spend 60, 90 minutes just dicking around, flipping up on some of these TikToks. I'll make a deal with you, man. I, I'm not going to skate, but I am going to go. I can't skate, man. I got COPD. I got a bad lung. Probably okay. kill myself if I go out there, but I am going to go there. So we'll, we'll definitely see each other. We'll hang out for sure. If I'm out there uh, Friday night downtown, I'll definitely be at uh, the skating event on Saturday. But anyway, everybody go on Twitter. Give Jay Spence a follow. I'll get there. Right. At J Spence, the King court of conduct, Buffalo rumblings hump day hotline. My man, Joe Miller as well, man, dude, this was fun, man. This was fun. Like I said, I'm glad I finally got an opportunity to, uh, not just talk bills because we could do that anytime, but get to know you a little bit. I feel like I know you a lot better now. So thanks for doing this pod, brother. It's been a long time coming and, uh, I appreciate having you on.
2: Yeah, thank you, man. And and again, I, I it was a pleasure for me. And I, I really mean it, like I said, at the beginning of the show, you are absolutely one of my favorites and, and not just one of my favorites. I look at you like a staple in the Bills community. So the way I look at Bruce, I look at you. And honest to God, it is a pleasure, man. And anytime, anything you need, shoot me a text, a DM, call, whatever it is, just hit me up and I got your back.
1: All right, boys and girls, that is gonna do it for another episode. Very big thank you, one more time, my man Jay Spence the King, Buffalo Rumblings. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jay Spence the King. It's a lot, Jay Spence. That's a lot of fun, man. Uh coming up on the podcast tomorrow, another edition of the Finer Wings Club. Make sure you uh, check out my Twitter at Pammerhead Tweets. Some point tomorrow for some uh, details on that. Then, of course, on Friday, casual Friday, my man Joe Yurda and I have him every Friday. This week, we will be taping our show Thursday night at Casey's Black Rock Tavern, so be sure to check that out. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate, and review all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. Of course, we're available on all major podcasting platforms out there. And again, like I said, follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweet. I am always, always, always on Twitter. Podcast polls, promos, upcoming guests, sports talk, all kinds of stuff going on over there. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I I, got to end the podcast the same way. I know how many shows there are out there. So when you're locked into this one, man, I, I don't take it lightly. It means a lot. So thank you very, very much. Have a good one. Stay safe. Be back. Brand new episode tomorrow.